0: This is a Dubai Eye 103.8 podcast. Donnie Keir. Welcome back to the UAE, first and foremost.
1: Thanks for having me, mate. Great to be back. Got a little week off, which is nice. So where do sportsmen go on their weeks <laughs> off? They come to the UAE. So here we do. are,
0: Abu Dhabi. And you're a, another new father once again, of course, a boy. It was Blake, five years of age. You've got a new daughter
1: yeah, as well. Yeah, little Koa, She's three three months old today. So, yeah, it's uh, it's carnage in the care household <laughs> at the moment, as I'm sure it's the same yeah. in, in yours. I know that feeling. Um, but two kids is... Is different to one. I think I underestimated the jump, um, but loving, loving it as you can tell by the sound of my voice <laughs> and the bags under the yeah. eyes as well. How has it impacted? Has it had any impact on day to day? I think it's just you got go, you got to operate a man to man defence now. <laughs> <laughs> Before I it was it. it was two of you and you know on one baby. where now it's okay. You t- I'll take the old. I normally take Blake now because yeah. we do boy stuff and yeah. the mum does the girly stuff. Um, but you definitely have to you have to plan ahead a lot more. I found a lot of preparation. Um, and yes, just getting used to the the baby again because Blake's kind of five. He's get himself ready in the morning, has his own breakfast. Whereas sorting himself out. You're fully dependent, yeah. and now I've got on. You know, you got. A, make this child live. Yeah, that's exactly it. The Mm.
0: responsibility that Danny and I have now is through the roof, as many of you, I'm sure, will be aware and can testify to, being the parents out there. In terms of you, Danny, 33 now. Uh, I've been reading an awful lot about media, something that you want to move into. I know you're doing an awful lot with your podcast, and congratulations on that. It's a great listen. If you've not done it, Rugby Union Weekly on 5 Live. Still enjoying, at 33, the rugby side of it?
1: Loving it, yeah. I think, (laughs) strangely, probably this year, without... I kind of don't feel the pressure of of the England selectors anymore. Um, so it's quite refreshing in a way that I can just go out and enjoy my rugby. Ah. I'm playing with a lot of younger lads, so they're keeping me, they're keeping me young. You're um, pointing out
0: that you are getting
1: older um, as well. I am getting a little bit older. Um, and I think I've definitely had a realisation that, you know, I maybe only have one, two, three years left. Uh, and the one thing I'm to make sure I do is, is enjoy it. Ah. I want to win something again with Quinns to, to sort of finish my career. Um, and I'm just playing with a bit of, a, no, a bit of freedom really, um, and an energy that probably has been missing for the last couple of years. So um, yeah, really enjoying it. Life off the off the pitch is great. Two kids now, um, and I just kind of wanna wanna really enjoy the last last time I've got. You mentioned the pressure is off
0: from the selectors, and I guess that's a good place to start. Is that the case? Have you been told the door's firmly shut?
1: I haven't been told the door's shut. We haven't had that conversation. Um, I think I'm... Um, Old enough to kind of see when the writing 's on the wall a little bit um, you know i haven 't retired from international rugby i still would absolutely love to to wear that white shirt again, um, and I still feel like I could add something to the shirt um, I got a call from Eddie before the Six nations just um, just left me a voicemail just out of.
0: Out of kindness
1: and courtesy, he said, just to say, you know, I I wasn't picked for this Six Nations, um, you know, keep doing my stuff, we'll see what happens, sort of thing. So, um, I didn't expect to be in, so it was kind of still nice to know that you're in his thoughts slightly, um, and you never know, I know what rugby's like, Uh, anything can happen. Um, So, as long as I'm fit and playing well, if they need me, I'm available, I just have to get a quick flight yeah i think mike phillips did that one time (laughs) In actually he had an
0: sos from the welsh he He was back over in south africa just on that then danny and i don't want to dwell we'll we'll rip this off like a band-aid because let's take you back before the world cup conversation i'm sure it was a difficult conversation did eddie call you did he say danny i want to see you how did that kind of conversation go
1: yeah so i was hopeful of of being in the training squad um and pushing for the world cup trying to show that what i can do and prove my fitness and and get selected that way but I got a phone call I was actually on holiday in, in Greece at the time on a family holiday I love, a holiday, <laughs> I love a, holiday. a holiday I don't get many but I make the most out of it <laughs> um, and then just a call just to say no nah, I wasn't I wasn't in the training squad I hadn't played well enough last season apparently to to, to deserve to be in so it was a tough one to take um, obviously my whole aim was to win a World Cup uh, and in World Cups so I missed 2011 with an injury 2015 I played against Uruguay in a game, you know, we were out before I played yeah. it, Played past the ball. So this was the one where I thought, you know, Japan 2019, that would be the brilliant way to go and win a World Cup. And, and I'd, I'd happily have not played for England again then, you know. So it was, it was tough to know that that was taken away. I met up with Eddie for a coffee and just had a chat. Um, and he just said, look, nothing, anything could happen. See, what, see how you get on. Uh, unfortunately, I got injured with my ankle. Um, start of the season, Ben Spence obviously got the call up for the welcome yeah. final. I'm not saying that I would have if I hadn't, hadn't got injured, but probably didn't go go too well for me. A public
0: setting for a conversation like that is probably smart from Eddie. But in all honesty, though, Danny, give us insight because I always think we're our own harshest critics. You know, if you're sat getting an appraisal in any walk of life, in any industry, and someone appraises you, and you might think, well, hold on a second, I disagree fundamentally with what you're telling me. Are you your harshest critic in the mirror when he's telling you things where you like? Yeah, I can accept that. Or did you say, "Hold on a second, let me
1: kind of put out my case"? I think there's. That's probably when you're young. Definitely when I was younger, I was Depestuous. very much, "Oh, you're wrong. Yeah. You're wrong. I know what I'm talking about. I I believe myself." I think when you now, when I've got a bit older, a bit more experienced, a bit more mature, you can see what where they're coming from a little bit more. You can see from a coach's perspective. I think as a player, you've in a way you have to be selfish and you have to be confident yeah. and probably borderline sometimes you have to be a little bit arrogant, a bit, a, bit, a bit arrogant to the fact that you are the best. You have to believe you're the best and probably you're a bit blinded sometimes by your own sort of personal um, You have to be goals. at an elite level, right? I think you do. So that definitely I can, see, I can see where he's coming from. I can see where the, gate, the, t- the aspects that he'd like to see more consistency of in my game. But at the same time, I think you have to still have that self-belief. You know, I, Do I think I'm good enough to still be playing for England? Yes. Do I think I can still add something to the team? Yes. But it's not up to me. It's up to me to play as well as I can, and, but then it's to force the selectors to change their mind. And you know that hasn't happened yet.
0: Do you feel, though, if you perform well, genuinely, you feel the door is open? You take Eddie at his word?
1: Yeah, you have to. Yeah, I have to take him as his word. Um, I'd like to think if I'm playing the best out of all the scrum-halves that he's got to pick from England, then I'd, I'd hope I'd get a chance. So um, obviously that it hasn't happened this Six Nations and he's picked Ben Youngs and Willie Hines and, you know, we'll see how they see how they go in the tournament. And, you know, I, I'd hope that the door, door is just slightly ajar and I can just peek my head around just every now and then. On that, define it for what is playing out of your skin? at
0: scrum half to make him notice do you need to start running in five tries again to be I'm over here you know, you know what I mean by that though? Yeah. because at that elite level Willie Hines and Ben Youngs I'm sure will be doing mm. exact same stuff to you so how do you
1: say Eddie I'm here mate yeah I think it, it's a tough one because you don't want to force things and then you end up making more mistakes Fair. you obviously want to I want to show my points of difference which I think is is my attacking game um I love to score tries, I love to set up tries. I I try things probably a little bit out of the box every now and then, which I probably understand that some coaches don't really like, especially at international level. They want to see consistency and doing the right thing at the right time. Um, you You look at other players in the world, Finn Russell would probably be one that you'd say a guy that will try anything and sometimes coaches like it sometimes they don't I'm sure we might talk about him a little bit a little bit more later on Um, but yeah I think for me it's just consistency doing the right things at the right time but then I need to also show my point of difference and I'm trying to trying to do that in a a Harlequin shirt. Disappointment from not
0: going to a World Cup is obvious I don't want to go over that too much because we would all be in the same position Danny we would all be disappointed how do you then approach the tournament (laughs) because you're at home boys that you know friends colleagues players that you're looking at thinking
1: well i could be in there mm. how do you
0: approach it do you enjoy it no <laughs> Not no
1: no right. this one this one was really hard the world cup was really hard because it was the one where you know you speak to your family your close friends saying you know this is the goal this is the ultimate goal the goal i've written down for 10 years that this is the one i want to be at and i want to help england win um and it was tough because i I'd been there for three years in this cycle with Eddie and then got kind of hooked out with the last year with you know, the biggest prize was still to, to go for. Yeah. Um, and I think when you still think you can add something, that's when it hurts the most. So it was, the, it was really tough watching it. Uh, and Did you watch it? I watched most of it. But I didn't watch the final. I couldn't watch the final. What um, did you do? I actually Super went to like an ca- air hop trampoline park Brilliant. with my uh, with we my boy. little and, 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 and checking and Jody, the phone my wife. all the time or not so my wife banned me from checking the phone because um, it's such a weird one because you obviously want the boys to do well and I've I've got so many good friends in there but at the same time do I want them to to win a World Cup and me miss out a lot of people don't don't understand yeah. this but probably I probably didn't if I'm being completely honest because that's what I wanted to do. I wanted to be there. And there was a bit of jealousy. But then I think at the time when it got to the final, I thought, oh, do you know what? The lads are so close. They oh, deserve dear. it. They deserve it. They deserve to win it. And I was, I was behind them. And then I checked my phone. I think I finally just nipped off a trampoline and <laughs> got the phone out and found out that it was pretty much finished and we'd lost. And my first thing was, was probably a bit of sadness because I, I, I knew how hard the boys had worked for it. The coaching staff, the backroom staff, everyone that goes into that four-year cycle f- had deserved to win a World Cup, I thought. But I don't think you can begrudge the team that they lost to, South Africa, Sia Khaleesi, you know, an nice unbelievable game. rugby story. Unbelievable on that.
0: Just with the four-year cycle, you're absolutely right. I mean, everyone, and I know you're a real observer and a real student of the game. Ireland, without a shadow of a doubt, peaked 12 months too soon. We spoke to Brian O'Driscoll at the uh, the golf earlier this year, and he said as much. He said, yeah, hold our hands up. We peaked 12 months too soon. The four-year cycle, an awful lot. Eddie, you boys yourselves made an awful lot about (coughs) that. This is a four-year cycle. This is a journey. It must stick in the throat a little bit that South Africa... Get there, you know the word I'm looking for, together, 12 months out and go and win it. Does it, does it make a mockery of this planning four years in advance?
1: Look, I think this is where you, someone like Eddie, you said, I think was it was 2017 where we had a, a bit Dip. of a lull yeah. we, and he said, I've planned for this. I knew, I knew this was going to happen because I know we'll come back and peak. And we all, all at the time were thinking, God, he's good. (laughs) He's convinced convinced us. And we thought, oh, wow. And and to be fair, to see the boys then rise again and go so close, you think, "Okay, he knows what he's talking about. South Africa, I just think it was written in the stars a little bit that they were going to win it. Mm -hmm. To lose the first game, the first team to ever lose a game, to then win a World Cup. Um... They were so close to New Zealand in that game. I think people forget about that. And everyone thought seven-minute oh. spell where New Zealand took the game away. But then everyone writ South Africa off. And I think you know, speaking to a couple of their boys, spoke to Faf de Clark a few weeks after the World Cup, and he said we were loving the fact that everyone thought that we were no good anymore, and we couldn't wait to face England. They were desperate to play England in the final because they thought they they match up, they'd well. match up, and they'd, they'd do them, and they did exactly that. And he was obviously very pivotal in, in that final. A lot's been written.
0: The post mortem has been a deep one. I appreciate that. We've moved on. We're now in the Six Nations. But your appraisal of it, uh, as someone, and again I come back to, I know you really study the game. Of course, your podcast brilliant. Your takeaways. Moving. What are we now? November through four four mm. months. Four months after the fact. Have you watched the game since? You didn't watch it the first time, so have you watched it? I still haven't watched the
1: full game. No, I haven't. Uh, obviously, I've watched highlights. I've seen, I've seen the, the tries. Boys. Yeah, I spoke to a lot of the boys. Obviously, we've got Joe Marl and Kyle Sinclair at the club. Kyle, who obviously knocked out the yeah. first few minutes. I don't think it would have been much different if he'd have stayed on. Probably helped Kyle, to be honest. He's got a massive contract to Bristol now. <laughs> If he'd have had his head shoved behind him for, for 80 <laughs> minutes, he might not have. Um, I think it, it still hurts the boys. Obviously, it's, it's going to. But I, I do think that you learn as much from the defeats, more from your defeats than you do from, from the wins. And I think that losing that final the way they did in 2019 will be the reason why England win the World Cup in 2023. I think the squad that they've got, the continuity they've got, is very good, very strong. Not many people in and out. A lot of young boys coming yeah. through to the peak of their sort of career around then. You look at Owen Farrell, Maro Toje, the Van They're all going to be twenty nine, thirty around that time. They'll have played with each other for a lot, yeah. a lot of time. I think, I think England will take a lot from that. But as a global tournament, unbelievable. I, I'm gutted. I, didn't, I couldn't get out there. We obviously had to had to play for Quins and train for Quins, but. Japan has... You wouldn't have watched it. You would have been in a Japanese sake bar or something had you been out <laughs> yeah, there. Yeah, to be Danny. fair, I, I would have missed a lot of the rugby. <laughs> um, but it looked amazing. What a spectacle. What an occasion. Yeah. Um, 2023 has got a lot to, lot to live up to.
0: Absolutely, it does. Eddie Jones, on him. You know him. You've played under him. We've had Dylan Hartley. We've been fortunate. We've spoken to a number of people. A, a lot of people that I've spoken to surprised in a lot of ways that he's still there. Yeah. A lot of people would have felt win or lose... Eddie Jones, again, you know him, you're in a better position than I am to, to give us the chapter and verse on this. He demands, he's a little like, dare I say, Jose Mourinho? Yeah. F- fair comparison. Yeah. Psychologically, yeah. he rings you guys, right? He's, yeah. he's tiring in that way, physically as well.
1: Has he got another four-year cycle in England? I think we all f- kind of thought that it would be a four-year thing. And then, Four and done. And then he'd be out and he'd go somewhere else that was needing of someone that's restructure. to restructure yeah. it, because that's what... He did a brilliant job with England in those first years, taking us from the lows of 2015 to, to Grand Slams, to Six Nations, to a World Cup final. Yeah. Um, I, think, I don't think they know who their next coach is, which I think is the bigger problem. I don't think they know yet or have I identified yeah. the next guy to take it forward. And I think until that time, why would you get rid of someone like Eddie with that experience and someone now with the bit between his teeth again to be so close in a in a World Cup final, Eddie will use that, and they'll use that pain to then progress the team forward.
0: Will he need to
1: reinvent himself? Like anything, and this isn't
0: a pop at Eddie at all, like in any industry, it's about evolution. In order to keep your message fresh, you've got to evolve. And Eddie, his track record, and again, I'm only going on what we know of, of what he's done previously, he might have to change in order to keep that message fresh. Because if you continue, it's a little bit siege mentality. Mm, yeah. Eight years is a long time to be playing on that kind of mantra.
1: Yeah, I think he will evolve and he, and he does every week. There's something new he's spotted in world rugby, which he wants Brilliant. the lads to, to look at. Um, a new way of tackling or a new way of attacking that he's, that he's thought of. He, you know He watches rugby from the moment he wakes up to the moment he goes to bed. He knows it inside and out more than I've ever seen of anyone. Um, what I'd love to see is a young England coach come in as well yeah. with him to kind of transition that guy into the job. And would Eddie last another four years in England? Well, I think the results will will tell you that. I think if if England go well in this in this Six Nations and they go well in the next couple of years, would you change it two years out to a World Cup or would you give it to Eddie? Look at Warren Gatlin. What was that? Twelve years yeah, with Wales. Fair. Never won a World Cup but won an awful lot of Six Nations. Would the RFU take that? Or do they want someone to go, right, no, World Cup? I think that was the goal for Eddie. He came very close. So maybe they'll give him another four years to go, okay, this is this is the goal, go and get it. And then maybe get a new English coaching.
0: We'll come back to international rugby as we go. Six Nations, big game this weekend, of course, my beloved Scotland, taking mm. on Danny's England. I want to talk club rugby. Yeah, A lot of headlines. Club rugby has never been in the headlines more. <laughs> yeah. For not... The right reasons, either. Let's be honest about it, Danny. You you represent Harlequins with great distinction. Saracens are the team that everyone's talking about. Again, well do- documented issues. The salary cap, the, the flouting of the rules, the punishment 35 points, 5 million quid fine. That's then another
1: 70 points has been added. Give me your take on it all. I, I mean, mean it, it's been a whirlwind back home. It has. Um I think everyone's kind of bored of, of talking about it now. Sorry, it's, Danny. No, no, Sorry. no, it's absolutely fine. Because it's just rumbled on and more things are coming out. The, the thing I can't believe is that they haven't got guidelines for something like this. And it's kind of like they're just making it up on the spot going, OK, 35, oh no, we'll give you another, no, we'll give you 70 points. And you're like, "Just, just surely in a global organisation like it is, yeah. there should be some guidelines to say, if you cheat, this is what happens. You get your medals taken off you, you'll go, in the, you'll go in the championship, done. But they didn't have that, and now they're kind of catching up and make, making, up, making it up as they go. For me, as a, I've said it, I know I took a lot of stick for this from Saracen's fans at the, at the time when it first came out, this is a team that we used to be better than as Harlequins. We used to beat them fairly comfortably. Suddenly they got very good very quickly, and we were way behind them. But is that money, or is that them just doing better things on the training ground? Both. It's definitely both. I mean, you know, the way they, they've done it, I can understand they've, they've developed a lot of homegrown talent and then they've wanted to keep hold of them all. The problem is with a salary cap, there's rules. You physically can't do that. Look at Carl Sinclair. Why has he left Harlequins? Because we cannot afford to keep him because his, his money's gone up and the club then have to make a decision whereas, you know, they either have to let him go or they have to find some money from somewhere and get rid of two or three other players and Quins aren't willing to do that. So, Saracens obviously have been incredibly successful, best team in England, best team in Europe over the last four, five, six years. But when you look at it, it's because they've been breaking the rules. tinkering and breaking rules. So look, they've deservedly been punished, in, in my opinion. Um, but a lot of people that probably weren't involved in it are the ones that I think are going to feel the, the ramifications of it. I think the the big England stars you'll see will will stay; they'll still get their money. They won't play much in the Championship. They'll get looked after a lot. I think it's the younger lads, the sort of next bracket down, that will have to move. When you say we'll
0: they'll get looked after, what do you mean by
1: that? I just... Well, I again, think... Again, you're speculating. speculating a again. Now. I think the, the rumours coming out is that they'll all stay. They'll still be Saracens players. They'll still get picked for England. Um, I think so. Championship rugby. I, I'd, I'd be surprised if they played more than three or four games. I think the rest of the squad will play the rest of the games and the England lads will probably... Get looked after a fair bit. Um, almost, it almost might be a, a little sabbatical year for them, where they playing. They play for England and they play a few games for, for for Saracens, not for Harlequins. That'd be nice if we could have a few. Of them. <laughs> um, I've offered. I've sent a couple of texts to the boys. You know, boys, on loan, t- Southwest London. It's not yeah, far away. Not you know. Just quick, quick commute. <laughs> um, but yeah, I think. I think. I do feel sorry for. I think f- staff members will probably lose their jobs with this with the money I think sponsors are looking to pull out now and the worst thing for it I think it's just awful for the game I think rugby's been this high and mighty sport that's kind of looked down on football and cricket for for scandals etc and I think rugby now this, this this is one of the worst the best team over the last five years have been caught cheating to do so, so
0: it's, it's sad for the game. Let's put one thing to bed, tip of the iceberg, I'm hearing a lot of rugby fans hearing and on Twitter saying hey, tip of the iceberg this everyone else is at it, mm. Saracens are just being made an example of, what's the story there, are Saracens flouting the rules that others have just simply not taken advantage of I think, or grey areas that they've not taken I think
1: taken there advantage? are a lot of grey areas I think, and I think clubs have probably found ways around it, I think Saracens probably started by finding a couple of grey areas, yeah. getting away with it and thinking, OK, well, we'll keep doing it because it's actually not a specific rule to say you can't do it, so why don't we... It's Marcelo Bielsa yeah. at Leeds United in yeah. the old
0: Spygate. Mm. Nothing actually stated in the rules that no. I can't send a scout into the forest and peek in. And then, of course, the, the condemnation because it's very un-British. Yeah. And I know a lot's been made about the fact that you know, racism, UEFA, and I'm, I'm moving into the realm of football now, that, that the poultry paltry fines handed down to racism and yet Leeds are made a real example Mm, of when it comes to spying which you speak to a lot of managers
1: couldn't really care less if there's a bloke in the woods watching training. I loved how he just sat through (laughs) everyone and said well we've done it every week (laughs) this is how I do it. it. Brilliant Um, and I think that's probably another thing why people are annoyed at Saracens because they haven't they haven't owned up to it they're still denying it accepting relegation rather than opening their books up yeah. And for me, that just shows more, more guilt. I think, I think people just want transparency in, in that and to see what they've done, how they've done it. I just don't think you'll ever see that. I don't think it'll ever come out. I, will, I don't want to sit here and defend
0: Saracens. What I will ask, though, is you boys play a brutal sport. Yeah. Rugby is, and it's something that we've discussed at length on our show. A lot of fans... I think rugby, more than any others in a lot of ways, it's international first. Yeah. I think if people watching this were really honest, if you said rugby, the first thing that would come to mind would be international teams. Yeah. You yeah. think the great all-black sides, yeah. the England sides, the great Scotland sides. Gavin, that's a shout-out to you. Mm-hmm. Uh, before club, you boys, there's a finite window for you boys to earn money. Yeah. You guys need to earn your money. And if the rugby unions want you to stay in England... Surely the, the salary cap needs to be looked at. Or what's your view on that? Is the salary cap a good one because it's about the health of the sport, not us topping up our bank balance?
1: Yeah, look, as a player, obviously, we'd, we'd love to earn more money. I think the fact is the, the cl- not um, enough clubs would survive. If you got rid of the salary cap and said spend what you want, yeah, you know, I think there's only two or three clubs that are actually profitable in the premiership. If you suddenly then added £5 million to the to the wage bills... Yeah. I think the clubs would start going under, so we wouldn't have a game. So, for me, I think there has to be a salary cap. There, everyone just wants a level playing field, and the best team, the best coaches should be the ones lifting the trophy at the end of the season. On Saracens, what they what they do do is an inc- incredible amount of stuff for the players on and off the field. Some of it, obviously, is, is slightly dodgy, but the rest of it, you know, Nigel Ray... Wants players to have a business. Wants players to get into property. He because he understands. 35 comes along. You don't get paid. No. We, don't get pa- we get paid a when? good salary. We get paid very well. But when it gets to 35, you haven't got the skills to then go and do anything else really yet. Unless you work incredibly hard yeah. whilst you're playing. And a lot of lads, especially playing international rugby, don't have the time to do that. So, Nigel, I think, has definitely seen he needs to look after his players more. The problem is, if no other clubs are doing it, then that club is seen as it's a benefit of blame for that club. And why would a player come to Harlequins when you're not going to get that or go to Saracens where you're probably going to win a load of stuff and you're going to get looked after as well? I think that's where the other clubs have gone. We physically cannot compete with this guy so on that then Danny moving forward what
0: needs to be done because you've, you've touched on something interesting with Nigel and of course he's since stepped down I know the CEO mm. stepped down as well in the past week as well what needs to be done then does does rugby need to look at themselves and say okay if the salary cap's going to be in place we need to look at getting more teams looking at helping these guys if you want to become an attractive proposition it's like any business Yeah. you'll have different perks you know, there's different radio stations out there that probably give business class flights not to buy a one of three point eight <laughs> to their employees, you know what I mean. Though different industries, different companies give different benefits. Yeah. So how do we, within the rules, allow clubs to differentiate themselves? And if the salary cap remains in place, it remains a, a, an ongoing concern, competitiveness. To say to you, to Danny, listen, Harlequins are offering you this, but we can offer you maybe, just maybe, a job at thirty
1: five after mm. you finish rugby. I mean, that would be that would be lovely. I think the problem is. <sighs> I think the salary cap has to stay there. Yeah, it has to stay there um, for the reasons I said earlier. The answer is I don't. I don't know how rugby can make it more profitable for the players if you start giving them so much money. As I say, clubs will clubs will, will go yeah. under. I think the CVC investment coming in will be great for the yeah. for the game, and hopefully they can shed a few light and a few ideas of how we how they can grow it. Um, obviously, like like I said, as rugby players we do we do earn very well we'd obviously lo- love to earn a lot more because it would help a lot with with career after sport absolutely um, two kids can, to bring up two kids to bring up and you know she wants more so <laughs> <laughs> i need a job guys uh, so yeah so for me for me i'm trying to do as much media as i can because it's something that i'm passionate about mm. i enjoy doing uh, and it's something i'd love to trans- transition into unfortunately there isn't a job for everyone out there and I think you'll know more than anyone how hard it is to get into that world Um, and everyone wants a job doing that so it's more jobs for for players after would be amazing Um, I think the RPA do do a great job in introducing avenues and contacts to go speak to wherever you want to go Um, so yeah hopefully the boys get looked after but something I, I say to young lads when they come in the academy boys now Go to uni. Do a do a part-time degree. Do something alongside yeah. rugby. I wish I'd have done it when I was younger. I didn't because I always thought S- rugby went well and I went rugby, rugby, rugby. But now you get a bit older, a bit wiser. If I could go back and change one thing, it would probably be to, to do something like
0: that. I want to talk about Chris Robshaw, yep. teammate to yours as well, just moving on from In And actually, last one about Saracens. Next year then, you're worried about the, the short-term future for the English game with this hanging over and with Saracens relegated? I think everyone just... Would like
1: to draw a, line. draw a line under it and say, right, it's happened. Like to see them hold their hands up and say, this is how we did it. It's done. Um, we're going to take our time in the championship, come back up and prove that we'll, we'll change Good. the reputation again. Quinn's went through something similar with Bloodgate 10 years ago. We had to completely re- rebuild our reputation and it, and it took us a long time to do it. And the only way you do it is getting your head down, working hard, staying, uh, staying within the laws yeah. and, and playing rugby and Teams now, p- people won't ever forget about Bloodgate, but ask a lot of people, they wouldn't remember too much about it. This will be the same for Saracens in, in five, six years' time, but I think they, everyone just needs to draw a line under it, get back on with rugby, and hopefully we'll do that. Chris Robshaw, want to touch
0: on him. He's been in the headlines 16 years at Harlequins. England captain as well, you know him. Tell me with Chris, did he get the credit that he deserves as a player and as a captain? Because... When I think back to Chris Ro- Robshaw, and I mean this with the greatest of respects, Chris, always felt he was a stopgap captain. And that is, I appreciate, incredibly disrespectful. What's your view? Did he get the credit? Am I totally wrong in thinking that? And I'm sure it's a lot of people out there, I think, thought the same, that Chris kind of was a, a captain of an England at the time that was not at the England that perhaps we've been used to.
1: Yeah, I think, I don't think he, I don't think he gets the credit he deserves, from a guy who's known him for, you know, 15, 16 years, um, he is the hardest worker I've, I've ever seen. First one in the training ground, last one out, still at 55, whatever he is now, 30, 34. <laughs> um, you know, incredibly hard working. A guy, you know, you look at the England teams of the past, Richard Hill, I'd say, he, he is a Richard Hill. Like, he would go, go around, he'll make 17, 18, 20 tackles a game, every game steal three or four balls and people would think he would had a quiet game because that's just what Robbo did for the team he didn't do the flashy stuff because he didn't need to do the flashy stuff he was every team needs a dog a dog that goes and works and he worked every day in training every game put his body on the line as an England captain I think he came in at a time where Stuart Lancaster got the job it was a bit of a transition yeah Robbo was Harlequin's captain at the time, got the gig, and I thought did an incredible job. Um, but I think the problem for Chris is everyone's always going to remember him for, that, for the 2015, which I still feel sorry for him ab- for about because it's, it's not his fault. You know, It's not his fault that we didn't win, go through that World Cup, get into a quarterfinal. Um, I think if you look at the kickers, kickers weren't putting their hands up saying, I'm not this over. And as, soon, as a captain, I know if your kicker isn't that confident, you go, okay. No question. Corner. Go to the corner, we messed up the line out and suddenly Robbo's captaincy is defined yeah, yeah. by one decision. Um, whereas in hindsight, you know, hindsight's a brilliant mm. thing. If we'd have scored that try, Chris Robshaw's the best captain yeah. England have ever had. Makes decisions at the right time. But for me, you know, a wonderful servant to Harlequins and to England. We're going to miss him. Quins will be a different place without him knocking around just his leadership day to day which is a tough ass being a being an english captain in a club every day having to be the guy who speaks um we're gonna yeah. miss him a lot uh i don't think he's done with rugby yet so hopefully he'll still be in a shirt somewhere maybe in america living yeah, the dream in new him. york which would yeah. be amazing um but yeah, we're we're going to miss him. But yeah, we wish him all the best. Give us a story about Chris, because I think a lot of people out there,
0: even the most hardened of rugby fans, would probably say, "Ah, oh, Chris, don't really kind of know him." Give us a story, an anecdote, whether it be on the field, off the field. What kind of, I guess, sums
1: Chris Robshaw up the best? Is there one that stands out? His his mantra when he was younger was "work hard, play hard." Right. It changed a lot when he got the England captain job because he had to, but. This guy used to we he put his body on the line for eighty minutes on the weekend, and then he would put his body on the line in the bar after because <laughs> he would go for it, and we'd carry him out of most most places because because he loved it and he felt like he had to lead by example. And he was young, he was in London, um, literally, you know, he was li- he was living the dream, and he and he fully says that's the way I, I live my life: work hard, play hard. Um, and he had a responsibility.
0: It's amazing that a responsibility, as you see to lead by example that came naturally to him
1: yeah massively he was a guy you look at, look at football captains um, you know I like to compare it to football he's a guy that didn't need to speak an awful lot um, but just you watched him and you, and you followed him and you did what he did um, I'd say you know you look at football who would be a Example of that, maybe someone like David Beckham. I can't yeah. imagine he in a change room would be the most vocal, riding the troops, loads of vocal. But he gets on the training field, he's first one there, last one out, practicing his set, set pieces. Tawn, yeah. And that's the way Robbo kind of led. Um, and that's the guy that I love to, to play for because you know that your captain's going to do it and you have to get up to that level as well. New York seems to be the destination that he's heading to. And I know
0: North American rugby, I know Ben Foden's over there, Drew yep. Mitchell, Mathieu Basterou over there as well. Is that something that you players are now kind of turning your head and thinking, ooh, I a couple
1: think of years it, over there? Yeah, I nice. think it's opening up your eyes a little bit to it. Um, obviously, America, I think, is this untouched giant that could be huge for rugby. And I think people have tried before and it hasn't quite worked. But I think, you know, you, suddenly a team in New York comes available and players go, oh, okay. I mean, <laughs> yeah. I've never been to New York. I'd, lo- I'd love to go and I'd, I'd I'd, to do I, it. I absolutely want to go there. And, you know, maybe I could go there and play, play a bit of rugby. I don't know. Um, but definitely... CV's in the post. Yeah, CV is in the post. <laughs> um, but I think lads are having a look at it. I think people over there, Ben Foden, a good friend of mine, loving his time out there. Is um, he? Really Standard's is. good? Yeah, he's standard, he's standard, I think he says, is improving. Championship or... I think he says it's around, yeah, similar to a championship level. So, but I think that's only going to get yeah. better the more players that go over there. Um, and hopefully, if they sign in the likes of Nanu, Bastero, Chris Robshaw, Ben Foden to go over there, hopefully that will raise the game. More people say, okay, yeah. I'll go over there as well, and we'll make it really competitive. And I think it's definitely something that players are looking at towards the end of the career. Um, I think you play less games than you would do over here. You know would you go and sign for a? Newcastle and slug it out up north for 30 nope. games a year, or would you go and live in New York? You know, So I think a lot of boys are having a look at that, and the more opportunities there are, the better for the boys.
0: One other individual who's making headlines, we've touched on Rob Shaw, Saracen as a team of, of course, is Israel Folau, a man who we didn't see at the Rugby Union World Cup for very well-documented reasons, some interesting, his thoughts putting on social media, everyone's right to free speech, etc. Don't want to batter that but some of his comments i think we'd all agree or most of us would agree perhaps over overstepped the mark israel flow given a chance at Catalan dragons happy with that happy to see him back in the game
1: look it's it's a tricky one because as a player i think he is wonderful one of the best most naturally gifted players one of the best players i've ever played against um he can do things that other people have Simply cannot do his leap, his power. I've never seen a man jump so high. Um, a, a wonderful player, and you want to see players like that playing. I think the problem, obviously, is he's got these views, which is fine. Have your own views, but why do you feel the need to put them out to the public when you know you're going to offend some people? Yeah, that's where I have the problem with. Like everyone's entitled to freedom, opinion, of, yeah. freedom of a, your opinion, but. If you're then going to put that out on platforms that you know are going to cause offence, you should simply not not say it, I feel. Um, so I can completely understand why people are outraged that he's got a chance to come back into the game. I'm not going to comment on whether I would make that decision or not. Um, I think it's sad that a rugby player of his talent, his whole reputation has been completely tarnished. But it's from his own doing. Um, I'd like to know who's, who's around him, what people he's got around him because I don't think they're helping him out at all. Um, I think you just need one person to, to sit down and say, that you, you cannot, cannot say these things because you are going to hurt a, yeah. an awful lot of people and he has hurt an awful lot of people and he's got a, he's got a, he knows that he's going to get that for the rest of his life and let's be fair, he deserves it.
0: Give me your views on social media. Because we talk about it, I mean, the, the advent of social, the, the platforms has given everyone a voice, as we often say, it's allowed individuals to take ownership of the rhetoric, their own narrative, if you will. It's a marketing yeah. tool. You know, how many times do
1: we know, self-brand, self-brand. You're a fan of it? Has it helped you? Uh, I like it. I think it, it does open up opportunities every now and then. You know, A brand will come to you and say, well, what's your, what's your social media following? And if it's not at a certain level, they'll they'll simply go with someone else so it's a bit of a, a brutal world in, in a way i try to have a bit of fun with it i don't take it too seriously Sleepy. every now and then i'll get sent a couple of freebies which I which i'll happily stick up Love and it. you get a lot of stick for you you're always going to get stick for promoting um a little Blue freebie cream or whatever but i like to kind of i've got some amazing people that have followed me and, and fans i call them whatever Harlequins fans or England fans who, who generally want to see a little bit of your personality. day-to-day life and your personality. And 100%. I enjoy it. I love, I put up a video of me slide tackling my kids, I kid, <laughs> which, which, went, which went down quite well. Let uh, him know early. He's got to let him know early, honestly, to <laughs> set the tone. Um, so I like to take take the mick and have a bit of fun with it. Um, and it's probably something, you know, when my boy's a little bit older, I think he's going to be aware of and... Would he follow his dad? I don't know. Maybe he'll follow his dad and see what his dad's saying. Yeah. I, I don't know. It's weird. It's weird. I, I don't know how i had feel about my kids having it. On that, though, Danny, have you seen a difference with the
0: young boys coming through? Because there is no doubt, and again, in the media, I'm not at the coalface. I'm not in these training grounds. I've been fortunate to watch sportsmen and women up close and, and talk to people like yourself. And there is no, no doubt there's a theme that say yeah. You know, David Ferrer, great example, Mm. former Spain tennis player, speaking to him yesterday and he said, we've got to embrace it. It's here. You've got to embrace technology. You've got to embrace social media. You've got to, for all the negatives, concentrate on the positives and build your new coaching sessions, your training sessions around social media the players focus their concentration yep. not what it once was you seeing a difference in the players are you seeing players now that like back when be when you were 16 17 that are looking at things totally differently
1: i am yeah um, and is it a negative i think it's a negative if you if you make it a negative i think i think a lot of the, the problem with social media is everyone's got access to you everyone can have their opinion and if you want to go and see some negative stuff about you <clears throat> you can find it yeah Search your name. You know you're going to get stick. You, do you play, do that? Do you England, you play England versus Wales, and you search your name after that game. You're going you, you to hate that? yourself. I have. I have done it before, and it's dangerous. So I don't do it anymore. Um, and I think that's probably a sense of growing up and maturity. And I don't need that. I don't need to be looking for, for negativity. I don't you finish a game, jump on the bus. And not take- not straight away. I think it, you'd let the dust settle a little bit. But I think it's when it's there. When it's got mentions at a one click away and you click on your mentions and you suddenly see <laughs> it's the hatred that sometimes brutal. you can get. I mean, I, I laugh at it now. I think back in the day and some lads can't. Some lads really take it to heart. I, I used to respond to people and give them a bit of stick back and then I realised that's exactly what they want. Uh, so now I just leave it. Um, and I think the less... The more you leave it, the more you just block people and get rid of it, the, it obviously is going to... The less it comes. The Harlequins have a policy
0: because I, I do genuinely find this a fascinating subject. There are players that it does affect them. Mm. That you'll see their shoulders a bit slumped yeah, on a Monday yeah, morning. Yeah.
1: yeah, I think it's just, as you say, it's there. We have to embrace the fact that it is there. People are going to have it. If you want to have an, if you want to have an Instagram, you want to have Twitter, you've got to appreciate you're going to get some negative comments every now and then because not, not a, everyone likes you. Absolutely, Danny. But equally. Where I really rail against
0: it And it's not because I've not got a big following It's nothing to do with that I'm genuine I don't want to buy followers Don't want to get down that route But constantly in this realm Media, sport You're aging Danny, you need to be mm-hmm. on Twitter You need to be on Instagram Well, hold on a minute I don't want to be yeah, yeah. You need to be mm-hmm. You've got to be If you're looking to make a living Nest for, for your wife and your kids You've got to be Danny Yeah. But equally you don't want the negativity
1: So it's a really tricky balance it is a tricky balance um i think i think the best players in the world in whatever sport they've got up there doesn't matter what they are on social media they'll get the most followers because they are the best players so i think you're you're kind of a master of your own success really you look at cristiano ronaldo does he does he tweet in instagram all the time no but he's cristiano ronaldo he's he's my opinion the second best player in, in the world Good. Um, after Jordan Henderson <laughs> yeah obviously <laughs> but he's got that following because yeah. of working incredibly hard at football and and that being his goal I think you see a lot of people that try and be social media gurus and stuff alongside rugby or sport and that's where you're gonna you're gonna that's when it's gonna catch you out that's when people have the ammunition to go at you because you're not focusing on on your job but if you put your job first, and I fully believe that I put rugby first, but rugby isn't my whole life. I have a lot of other things going on in my life, my family, that my interest outside of sport, outside of rugby. That's I want to show people because I want to show my my personality. And some people like it, some people don't. I don't really care. Yeah. Do you? And I'm
0: appreciative of the time here. You've given already me plenty of time here, Danny. Do you? Just my son, they would be...
1: Yeah, exactly. You're on holiday. To for be me fair, sake. he's been... Look at my face. He's been... I was going kick, to ask about that. He's been kicking lumps out of me in the pool. That's just just that's drowning, drowning them. me and all sorts. Yeah, because you tackled them. Me, but, yeah. Yesterday's
0: what it is. Do you... Are you as committed, focused, hardworking, honestly,
1: as you were, say, 12, 13 years ago? I think I am. Yeah. Um, I've always... I've always worked hard. I think a lot of people thinking, oh, you Natural, you've got you're naturally gifted sort of rugby player, um, but no naturally gifted players who don't work hard will will make it, or they won't make it very far. So I've always tried to work incredibly hard. Um, I love going into training every day, not so much in the weights room, but on, on the training field. I love being out there. It's the best job in the world, and I, I know that you have to work hard still, especially when you get a bit older. I think you yeah. need to work a little bit harder because... Uh, the players are younger, they're fitter, they're faster. Um, and I've got to find sort of ways to, to stay in that. So for me, I like to relax as well. I'm not a, all rugby every That's day, crazy. but I do work hard and I enjoy myself off, off the pitch as well. Um, and definitely, like I said earlier, the last couple of years that I've, that I've got, I'm going to make sure if there's one thing, I'm going to make sure I enjoy it. Can I ask Danny, the word pressure? What does it mean to you? It's a question I often ask. Brian
0: Lara (laughs) gave a very eloquent answer. We sat with him maybe 18 months or so ago, we got a lot of time with Brian and he said pressure, don't know the meaning of the word. For him, he would go out there, bigger the moment, said I just felt I was comfortable in these venues, needing to score 100, 150. Rafa Nadal again said pressure, I was trained at a young age with Tony. Where he pushed me to the limits, I hated it. I hated being twelve or thirteen. The sessions were created that I could suspend my emotions. In those clutch moments, I didn't think of anything. It didn't matter. Mm-hmm. You're all talking about it being a clutch moment. But it's Just another point to me.
1: Yeah. Pressure for you. I you think. Ever felt it? I think. You. Fi- I. I find it. You feel it before a game. I think you find it. The build up to a game. Looking ahead. Interesting. You look ahead and you think you think, God, is there, there is a massive pressure in this game. And especially every game, more in an England shirt, every game you play for England, you know it could be a last because you know there's other people dying to you to get out and have a bad game and for them to get an opportunity. So that was where I, I definitely did feel pressure going in. But genuinely, when the, when the whistle went and you're on the pitch... You're not. I'm not, think, I'm not thinking about that. You're not thinking of the pundits no. and the journalists? And I'm an instinctive player. I've always been an instinctive player yeah. and that's something Eddie and Conor O'Shea, John Kingston, my coaches, always used to say to me, trust your instinct. Don't think about rugby. Just whatever you see, do it. Because as soon as you think, you've missed the opportunity and I'm a guy who, who plays on my instincts. So, I didn't really feel it in games. I think there's times where there's a break in play and you've got five minutes to go to win a game and you go, okay, there is pressure on this but then You can't think about it when the whistle goes because, firstly, I'm going to get monstered by a big lad if I I start thinking about anything. And you just try and go out and enjoy myself and bat myself that the the decision I make is the right one. Is there anyone out there, any fella
0: that you've played with who, before a game, no matter the occasion, would be retching would really feel it. There anyone so
1: anyone so um so jordan turner hall one of my best mates from harlequins no matter what game no matter where we are we're in the team huddle and there's only 14 of us and we're thinking where's where's jordan and you hear him he's been sick in the corner in a bucket wow. every single game no matter where we were and kyle sinclair's kind of taken that mantle Jordy was a bit of a mentor to kyle and i don't know if that's somehow transferred to kyle but kyle before a game now you know, someone will be doing a, a pre match speech, last for, this is what we're focusing on, first few things. And you see kind of <laughs> just wretched it's, it's horrible to see. But some players it just happened, and I think once it's happened once, it's kind of a thing in your head that or in your body that says, Right, this needs to happen every game and never really happened to me that one. I just kind of smile and Let's go out and... Is that, em,
0: is that embraced? Obviously, it's it's how he... Because he goes out, mm. crosses that white line and performs. Yeah. It's a bit of banter. Yeah. You know what happens, mm. but it's accepted, right? That's how he deals with his own...
1: Yeah, pressure. I think the nutritionists will be pulling their hair out. I think, you've he <laughs> <laughs> got rid of all the good stuff we've just given him before a game. How's uh, it going to last? Probably. But uh, it's it also provides... Because before a game, it's you can be nervous. There is pressure in those moments because you just want to get started. And that kind of... Just gives you a bit of a moment yeah. to go. Ah, oh, this is this is funny. It's like being back at school. With kids being sick in the bin, you know. Let's go out and enjoy ourselves, lads. And it provides a great moment before a game where you can just relax and go and enjoy it.
0: Before we wrap up, Danny, got to get your thoughts. England Scotland. I know we've not really touched on France. Very quickly on the France twenty-five uh, seventeen defeat for England. Did that come as a surprise, or did you did you fancy a bit of a hangover?
1: No, I will be honest. I, easy for me to say now. I call, I called it before. I could just, I love the look of this French side. I love the look Jordan of the back line. Well. Sean Edwards coming in, I think, is the best appointment yeah. they could have ever made. Because mm-hmm. he will not allow them to not work hard. He will not allow them to have these French switch-offs, mental lapses yeah. that, they, that they're so notorious for. So I felt England, and let's be honest, going away to France is a tough game. And I think everyone, classic media, England are in a World Cup final. Yeah, they're going to batter France. And I just thought, and obviously with what was said during the week, just, you know, gave the French the easiest team talk they could ever have. See, on that, when Eddie
0: says, and again, the mind games, mentally, etc. when Eddie says something like that, we're going to be the fittest, we're going to be the best, we're going to be like dogs, we're going to be like mongrels, whatever it was, a team that's never been up for it as much. It's part of you boys as players going... (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> he's just written their team talk for them cheers for that Eddie. Yeah. it's not you it's about to get smashed in yeah. the first five seconds and I think
1: a few of the ex-French players have said that you know that that, that was perfect for them but um, mistakes I, think I can't it, believe at that level that continuously football mm, whether it be rugby
0: managers they, ca- they can't
1: help they can't help themselves they can't help themselves I think for Eddie he's done it before and it's worked teams have folded a bit because of the yeah. pressure of what he said so I think on this occasion it probably didn't work but it's Eddie being Eddie. He likes to throw a couple of yeah. hand grenades in there. You know, you used to not know about him because I, I didn't read the press on the week of the game. Then I'd go into a, a press conference the day before a game and they'd be like, Eddie said this, what do you think? I'd be like, oh, did he? Did he? <laughs> Brilliant. <laughs> well, yeah, that's Eddie, you know, sort of thing. So yeah. I think it didn't help, but it doesn't matter. I don't think it would have mattered what, what he'd said lead up to that game. The, Fre- the French thoroughly deserved the win. They were the better team. Um... England need to just re- hit a reset button for this week because it doesn't get any easier. Going away to Scotland is not an easy game. I haven't won there in a, in a while. They're going to be pumped. They always enjoy us going up yeah. there uh, and the boys are going to have to play very well because from what I saw of the Scotland-Ireland game, I think the Scots are playing some good rugby. If they could be a little bit more clinical Thanks. in the 22, they'd have beaten Ireland. It's has so, been
0: a struggle for us though,
1: it's clinicalness. It's... If you're not picking your best player... Well on that, actually. Mm. Your thoughts? Obviously, Too much of a maverick? I don't think so. I, I love watching him play. See what he's done for Racing and what he's done for Scotland over the years. And the way he's playing at the moment for Racing, I just think he's a guy you need, you need to have in there. But I understand there's obviously team Structure culture and team culture. values. Yeah. And if he's stepped out of that, then there has to be a punishment at some point. I think we're gonna see, you're going to have to see him back in, at some point in this Six Nations. I just hope they don't rue not bringing him in for this week. Because I think Hastings went so well at the weekend, I thought he had a great game. Yeah, he played well. A couple of things he could have improved on, but he's a young fly half yeah. playing playing away in Ireland. This week, home home crowd against England. I could see Hastings having a big game, and I could see England... I could see England... losing. Oh, oh, I said it on, before, man. I thought, if England lost to France in the first game, that they may lose again away in Scotland, just because how tough it is and how much the Scots hate us with a passion there so it's going to be tough i think england have to play a different type of game they've got to, they've got to play a bit of a boring game i think against scotland and try and beat them up physically play in the right give areas and give I this think, man a kilt i think that's what they might do
0: so it's going to be a great game can't wait to see it last one from me uh, england then not to win wales to come through and win Nations. who are you tipping oh to- I, I,
1: again i said france. whoever won the france england game would win the would win the tournament um, interesting so I think I think the French have set themselves up nicely, but England go to Scotland and win. I think England will win the whole thing.
0: Okay, so a win for England at the weekend and England win it. Last one from me. I know you're a huge football fan. I am. I'm a Manchester United fan. There, I've said uh, it. You're right. Yeah. You are right at the moment? Yeah. No, not at all. Mm. Ollie, you at, the Ollie <laughs> at the wheel. Ollie at the wheel. I'm not going to comment on that. I'll be here all day. Yeah. You must be bloody delighted right now.
1: Do, do you know what? I, People ask me at the moment, oh, "What's it like to be a Liverpool fan?" And I say, at the moment, it is a it's a joy to watch them. Like, they, I think they are a cut above everyone I'm seeing at the moment uh, easily. And there's games where we're not actually playing that well, and we we win one nil, we win two 0 we nick a goal, and we set up shop. And Van Dijk at the back. If you watch him live, watch him a couple of times, he just controls everything. everything yeah. It's like the quarterback yeah. shouting at people before getting everyone in positions. Then he says, right, we're ready now. Bang, plays the ball. And up front, you've got three, three of the best players in the world at the moment. Um, and right in the middle of the captain, Jordan Henderson, the guy doesn't get the plaudits for I me. Mean, uh, we argued
0: about this. I've made the point, Player of the year for you. Oh, now. I
1: think so at the moment. It's just the way, uh, the way he closes down, the way he dem- what he demands of his players. One person throws a gives him a bad pass. He's into him and he can see the players like, OK, I know. But that's the way Jordan's leading. That's the way that he's going he's gonna to lift trophies at the end of the season because Jordan Henderson is, is ruling the roost there and as I say we're looking great it's great to see I actually don't like it that Man United have gone so downhill because you want to, us to be second I'd like us you to be alright yeah still. so you can rub it in a mm, bit more and I think with a couple of signings you, you could be actually, I watched you against was it against us was it against us recently
0: yeah Anfield where <laughs> yeah. For the first yeah, 25 yeah, yeah, yeah. minutes looked alright but then first goal goes mm. in
1: Nothing that's the about problem us. I mean you, about your us. defense is, is struggling a little bit
0: it certainly is listen Danny here it's been a pleasure you've got the wife you've got the two wee ones waiting for you just a final word on this venue yep. that you're staying in here brand new down here in Abu Dhabi you've been well looked after
1: oh they've literally rolled out the red carpet for us it's been it's been amazing the room the suite the the get you know the the staff here brilliant this place is is special um you know the food we love everything about uh, we love everything about Abu Dhabi. It's our first time here as a family. Haven't left the hotel yet because we haven't needed to. Um, <laughs> needed to but yeah, Jameer is the one. It's really looking off. Of thrilling.
0: You've been listening to a Dubai Eye 103.8 podcast. To enjoy lots more from Dubai Eye in the United Arab Emirates, just go to DubaiEye1038.com or find them wherever you normally get your podcasts.